and they're off. And coming down the main stretch, it's uh, the Rural Radio Network's edition of Midday. We're missing a horse here. Do you know where the other horse is? I don't know. They're apparently a mudder today. They're I guess a little, so. little slow and the late scratch, game. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well done. Oh, there we, there we go. Okay. Coming from the inside. Coming from the inside, it's Farm Girl. <laughs> We've got Business Boy and Sports Fellow. All coming down the stretch, nose to nose. And here comes the nose of Jesse Harding, who has a nose for ag news. That's right. And coming up at the 1213, Joe Gangwish has some information about Kearney Livestock in Kearney, Nebraska has been sold. Oh. So for the 1213, we'll hear a little more about that and where things are going. Weather is quite beautiful. I know a lot of people that had a lot of snow last month are enjoying the wet, the dry weather, the heat to dry things up because the ground still might be a little wet in those areas where they got 10 inches of snow or more. So, Isn't it almost hilarious to think that here we are heading into 90 <laughs> degrees and we're talking about last month, all that snow. Snow, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's a little crazy. So I'm sure some producers are excited about the weather that we have right now. Others might not quite be, but for the 1219, Shaley Peters is going to be joined with our state climatologist, Al Dutcher, discussing what we can expect this weekend into next week and then the long-term forecast. For the newsmaker, Shaley Peters is with Bill Bullard from RCAF USA, and they're requesting an investigation on the United States portion of JBS and the Brazil portion of JBS is in some sticky situations going on in Brazil. So RCAF is requesting that they look at the U.S. side of things. And then for the 117, it's Friday, which means we have a Friday in the field report. This will be the third week that we are doing Fridays in the field. And I am joined with Deb Gangwish. She is co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G. They farm and operate out of Shelton, Nebraska. They also have an operation in Springview, Nebraska, up north. So we discuss our operations, how planting went went because they are done and how the crop currently looks for them we'll look forward to that we heard your uh, your diesel uh, thing yesterday when you went out to talk to them and it sounds like it's a very neat feature idea yes to, uh, take Thank a farmer you. all the way through the season yep all right and across oh. the state Absolutely. Sports and Jason Jorgensen. Super regionals start today across the country as the road to Omaha continues for the College World Series. Half of those series will start today. The other half will start tomorrow. You may say, well, why did they break it up? Why did they break it up? TV purposes, of course. <laughs> that way you can spread the love. I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't get that one, which, which makes sense. Uh, also, speaking of TV, we will see tonight on TV... If the Golden State Warriors can finish off the Cleveland Cavaliers and wrap up, you'd have to say one of the best postseason runs ever. If they run the table on this thing and didn't lose a playoff game, it's pretty impressive. impressive. Yeah, I mean, really impressive. Uh, Stanley Cup Finals now 3-2. to two, Pittsburgh in the lead in that. And also coming up sports, we'll talk some all-star games. There are plenty of those across the region this weekend as well. Okay, and we have Bob Brogan following business. U.S. stocks moved higher in midday trading, pushing indexes further into record territory. Also, the pound is falling sharply after Britain's election saw the conservatives lose their majority in parliament. Uh, the winning bid for a private lunch with billionaire Warren Buffett is just going ka-chink, ka-chink, ka-chink. And uh, the bidding... Wraps up tonight, so if you want to get in uh, your bid, uh, this is the time to do it. You have your bid in, Bob? No, I don't. But I'm I'm still trying to figure out what to bid. You know, 
Ten cents doesn't go far. <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's all coming up for you today on Midday. Now let's check some regional ag weather with Paul Perkins, who is in here to tell us just how warm and how fast we're going to warm up. Yeah, big time warm up on the way already. We're seeing temperatures in many locations, upper 70s to low 80s, a few instances in the east and the far west already into the mid 80s. We're up to 87 at Kimball. And over the Dakotas, they're already into the upper 80s across much of southern South Dakota. It's warming up. And also sunny because of big, rich, high pressure that's moving on to the plains. At the surface, we do have a trough of low pressure just to our west. That will keep those winds breezy out of the south through the entire weekend. Over the weekend into Monday, that dome of high pressure moving farther to the east over the plains. And we'll get underneath that dome of high pressure and see that heat and humidity build. Heat, higher humidity going to make it feel like it's close to 100 as we move through tomorrow all the way through Monday. With that area of low pressure just to our west, we can't completely rule out an isolated thunderstorm, but right now it looks highly unlikely since the atmosphere will be too captured, too warm for any thunderstorms to get going. Tuesday, that high-pressure ridge moves off towards the east. That'll bring us our next chance of some thunderstorms, not looking at a great chance of thunderstorms, probably on a very scattered basis Tuesday afternoon and evening with the passage of a cold front. A few of those storms could be severe. Temperatures will cool back to slightly warmer than normal for the middle part of next week. Wednesday looks to remain dry, but we could see another thunderstorm chance by next Thursday. Now, in our long-term forecast, temperatures return to mostly seasonal to near-normal levels in Nebraska and Kansas Wednesday through June 22nd. During the middle part of next week, west and west-central Nebraska and western Kansas may be slightly cooler than normal. All of that, though, may be changing later in the month as some warmer-than-normal air gets closer from the west. Chances are good Kansas and Nebraska are going to be drier than normal for precipitation Wednesday through the 22nd. Weather factors in the market today include variable temperatures across the Midwest this next week and limited rain coverage across the northern plains. During the weekend and early next week, drastically warmer weather will further spread across much of the central and eastern U.S. In the Midwest, it's going to be hot and dry this weekend, but cooler temperatures and rain are forecast in the 5- to 10-day period, and that pattern looks to be favorable for crops, including areas that may see some heat-related stress this weekend. Across the plains, the dry weather will accompany the rapid warming trend. High temperatures today could approach or reach 100 as far north as South Dakota. Across the northern plains, the condition of rangeland pastures in winter and spring wheat continues to deteriorate with the hot and dry conditions. There is a good chance for some rain in the northern plains the next five days to ease the stress of the drought. That rain, though, does not appear to be significant over most of the northern plains. Across the southern plains, it will turn hot through this next week and improve conditions for the wheat after some cool and wet conditions. Plentiful soil moisture looks to offset any heat concerns for row crops. Notable rains are possible across the Canadian prairies across the southern, central, and eastern areas today and also the middle of next week. The crops will benefit after some recently dry conditions, but there is a chance of some locally heavy rain in northern Alberta that would be unfavorable. The wet pattern there has led to extensive field work and planting delays. Northeast China will be dry this next week. That's going to help out with planting, but more rain is needed for their crop development. Eastern areas have seen of northeast China have received above normal rain, but western areas have been drier than normal, some varying amounts there. But hot and dry as we headed to the weekend for us. Yep, midday ag weather presented by Holdridge Irrigation. So I know you probably don't need to drill you on this because you've lived through a 
Nebraska summer before, but you'll probably want to get a hat and dress appropriately. Make sure you stay well hydrated because it's going to be one of those hot spells. Yeah, and probably the best idea is to stay hydrated with water and not... (laughs) Adult beverages or something like that. Yep. All right, very good. Nice point to be made. Thanks, Paul Perkins. Especially yeah. the weekend. Yep. <laughs> if you were planning to get out the boat this year, this is the weekend to do it. And when you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Taking a look at agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Kearney Livestock in Kearney, Nebraska has sold. Joe Gangwish has the story. Co-owner of Carney Livestock, Rod Week, tells the Rural Radio Network his barn will have their final sale June 19th. He says due to the ages of himself and his partner and other difficulties finding staff were part of the reason they decided to end the operation. We've been thinking about this for a couple of years and, and we finally got this opportunity and so we are going to do it. Week says he'll now be working for the Husplat Valley Barn in Kearney. Well, basically, I'm just I'm just going to consign cattle, and hopefully that uh, all the customers that we've had uh, at Carney Livestock, hopefully we can get most or all of them to go to either Lexington or Carney, and uh, I'll be consigning cattle for them. When they first bought the barn in 1984, Week says they had three auctions a week, which included cattle, hogs, and sheep. And due to the changes in the industry, the hogs and sheep fell off, but he says they were still holding their own with the cattle auctions. And Week adds he's very thankful for the business of local farmers and ranchers over the years in the Kearney area, and he's looking forward to continuing that relationship in his new position. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. With the consumer market for pork and other protein sources changing rapidly, the Pork Checkoff is putting the finishing touches on a plan to capitalize those changes by repositioning pork marketing. Jared Sutton is National Pork Board Vice President for Domestic Marketing. People eat based on occasion, and it's important to understand how those occasions influence uh, their buying decision and uh, what they're looking for. What are the attributes that they seek out? And so as we think about pork, you know, we definitely have flavor, we have versatility, but it's also about quality. It's also about trust. It's also about convenience. It has to be merchandised and marketed in such ways that people are obviously looking to incorporate that into their lifestyle. And so it's incredibly exciting to see what's happening in terms of demand of protein, the positive news coverage of what protein can do in a a healthy lifestyle. Sutton says demand for protein does remain strong. Red meat and poultry production is projected to grow over the next three years by 6.6% for beef, 9% for poultry, and 12.13% for pork. And projections indicate that 2017 will be a record year for pork production. As the JBS scandal continues to unravel in Brazil, one farm group is asking for an investigation here in the United States. Shaley Peters has more. With the investigation on JBS growing in Brazil, RCAF USA CEO Bill Bullard says it's time that our government start looking into an investigation of their own. Brazil clearly has a business model of corruption, based on corruption. And we're concerned that it has likely deployed that very same model here in the United States. And that explains some of the inexplicable actions on the part of our uh, federal agencies in Congress. All of these actions are inexplicable unless one considers the potential that JBS was giving bribes here in the United States and engaged in unlawful activities. 
That's why this investigation is so important, and that's why we made the request. Find more on their request by visiting RuralRadio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. And USDA left domestic corn and soybean production unchanged in the monthly World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimates report today. But they bumped both old crop and new crop soybean ending stocks both domestically and globally. That's been a look at agriculture information. For more, you can find it anytime online by visiting RollRadio.com. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. It's time again this week to visit with Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. And Al, as we look back at this week, I could swear the corn grew about a foot. I think the hay guys were pretty happy with the warmer weather, those of them that did not get rain. But is rain something we will see in the forecast headed into next week, or what are we looking at? Well, I think we get into a little little interesting pattern here for the next uh, 10 days to two weeks as we first deal with the heat with this ridge that is moving from the central United States, beginning to push its way eastward in response to this big trough coming in the western United States. So therefore, we are looking at very warm temperatures, not only for today, but probably all the way through Monday. Uh, We'll start to see the cooling trend develop in northwestern Nebraska, probably as we go in through the day Monday. But most of the colder or cooler air will not completely engulf the state until we get through uh, Tuesday, particularly in southeastern Nebraska. So the main action in terms of precipitation, if the models are correct in the handling of those upper air low moving from California into the central Rockies and then immediately dive, driving it toward the northeast would be Montana and the Dakotas in terms of significant moisture with Montana looking like it's going to bear the brunt of the heavy precipitation. They're dealing with uh, high flows already with snow melt, so this rain on top of it could cause some problems. The cooler air will slow down the snow melt, but the rivers are full. So a big, heavy rainfall in that region would cause some major problems in terms of lowland flooding. But the more important news is by getting that good moisture up there, and we hope it does indeed verify out, um, any time the troughs pass to the east of us and we get in that northwest flow, we'll now have a surface moisture source to our northwest that might actually improve our precipitation chances in these northwest flows. But the bottom line is, as we get into Tuesday, the cold front will push through the state. Right now, the models are, are aggressively pointing toward the best precipitation chances in eastern Nebraska, looking at the potential for some severe thunderstorms developing. It looks like to be a fairly short-lived event, but the last two runs have increased the moisture slightly. So this looks like our best opportunity for moisture statewide until we get into the second half of next week when this trough kind of broadens out across the central United States. And that brings the cooler air aloft, and it also taps the moisture feed from the Rockies along with some of that moisture coming uh, across the the flow coming across Montana. So you're driving it southeastward across Montana, and then flattening that ridge off across the central plains. Numerous systems may move across the region, giving us uh, more opportunity for precipitation, cooler temperatures. We're going to need to see this precipitation break out. Water use is increasing rapidly, as we expect with these warm temperatures. We're going to start to pull moisture out of the profile, and if we don't see significant moisture over the next seven period, the expectations would we would see any um, portions of northeastern Nebraska most likely going into abnormally dry conditions with east central and southeast Nebraska quickly following. 
more importantly, as you move toward the east, the uncertainty is in regards to how long the heat will hold and how much moisture will move into that system. Because of this upper air low being a slow mover, it's very possible that we could see some precipitation in the eastern corn belt. It's just that there's a high degree of uncertainty. So expect that the weather market is going to be very volatile until we get through these next couple of weeks and we can shake out exactly whether or not we're going to get relief in the Dakotas or whether we're going to see that area expand and start to engulf more of the central and eastern corn belt. All right. Thanks for the information, Al. Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. For more, you can visit RuralRadio.com. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. You're listening to the Midday Program on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time to check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Super Regionals are the next stop on the road to Omaha. The eight best of three series start today and tomorrow. They will determine the field for the College World Series. Now, Louisville is making its fifth straight appearance in the Super Regionals, and TCU is in the round of 16 for a fourth straight year. TCU will open up its Super Regional tomorrow. Louisville starts its tonight by hosting Kentucky. Now, the other Super Regionals today have Vanderbilt at Oregon State, Cal State Fullerton at Long Beach State, and Davidson travels to Texas A&M. Ohio State has hired Butler basketball coach Chris Holtman to be its next head coach. They made the announcement today. They plan a news conference for Monday. Holtman, the reigning Big East coach of the year, has been at the Indianapolis school for the past three years and took the team to the NCAA tournament each year with the Bulldogs reaching the Sweet 16 this past spring. The 45-year-old led the Bulldogs to a 70-31 record in three seasons, including a 25-9 mark this past year. Well, the Cleveland Cavaliers find themselves with their backs against the wall, heading into Game 4 of the NBA finals against Golden State. Cleveland plunged into a 3-0 hole following its demoralizing 118-113 loss in Game 3. In that game, the Warriors outscored the Cavs 11-0 down the stretch to run their postseason record to an impressive 15-0. Head coach Steve Kerr talked about this run of greatness. The playoffs, every team is good, particularly as you go deeper. It's tougher and tougher. So, you know, what this team has accomplished is remarkable. Um, and we've had some good fortune, too. We've stayed healthy, you know, knock on wood. Um, every year is different, and we know that. But uh, so far, this, you know, things have gone our way, and our guys have really played well and competed at a high level. The Warriors are out for revenge after blowing their season a year ago and losing to the Cavs in the finals. Phil Kessel had a goal and an assist, and Matt Murray stopped 24 shots as the Pittsburgh Penguins whipped Nashville 6 to nothing to take a three-games-to-none lead in the Stanley Cup Finals. And Stan Varenka beat top-ranked Andy Murray today to reach the French Open Final. The 32-year-old Varenka, who lost to Murray in last year's semis, is the oldest Roland Garros finalist since 1973. Of course, he won the French Open back in 2015. Now, the third-seeded Swiss player will face either nine-time champion Rafael Nadal or, or Dominic Team in Sunday's final. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More middays just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clear skies tonight, lows generally in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder, a Nebraska lawmaker who wants to put a property tax reduction measure on the 2018 ballot, has started meeting with farm groups to help finance a possible petition drive. Senator Steve Erdman of Baird said he's very confident he'll garner enough support to succeed based on his conversations with those groups. 
Erdman announced last month that he'll introduce a constitutional amendment to lower property taxes during next year's legislative session. He says if lawmakers don't act, he'll launch a petition drive to place the issue on the 2018 general election ballot. Senator Mike Roney of North Platte says a prospect of a ballot measure could pressure lawmakers to act next year. The Nebraska Supreme Court has rejected an appeal by ACI Worldwide of the $43 million judgment won by rival software firm Baldwin, Hackett and Meeks. Baldwin Hackett had accused ACI of violating antitrust laws and interfering with Baldwin's business relationships when ACI sued Baldwin, alleging software pirating. ACI lost. Omaha-based Baldwin said in its countersuit that ACI's lawsuit cost Baldwin a multi-million dollar contract. In September 2015, a jury sided with Baldwin, awarding the company $43.8 million. Naples, Florida-based ACI Appeal, it said Baldwin hasn't presented competent evidence upon which the jury could decide that Baldwin sustained an antitrust injury. It also said Baldwin founder Jack Baldwin was not qualified to opine in courts about lost profits. The high court rejected both assertions in its ruling today. With summer in full swing, the Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services offers safety tips. DHHS spokesperson Leah Bucko-White. Here's some summer safety tips to help keep your adventures as safe as they are fun. Swim safely. Protect your skin. Stay hydrated. Don't get bit. Wear a helmet. Be sure to buckle up. Wash your hands often. Chill or refrigerate leftovers quickly. Walk safely and be an engaged driver. The Kansas House has approved a bill that would delay part of a law that toughens regulations for amusement park rides. Provisions of the law include stricter inspection requirements and more oversight of amusement park rides that would take effect July 1st. The amended bill approved by the House would delay a provision that creates criminal penalties for operating a ride without a license until January 1st. The bill now goes to the Senate. Get your news fast and first when you like our Facebook page. In the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. The Ranchers Cattlemen Action Legal Fund United Stock Growers of America is calling on the U.S. federal government to investigate a corruption scandal by meat processor JBS. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and here to visit with me today about that is RCAF USA's CEO, Bill Bullard. And, Bill, as we look at this now, it's really kind of we've gone down the rabbit hole in Brazil with the JBS scandal and now you are calling on the US government to investigate here in the United States talk to us about the letter you sent out here earlier this week well what we've learned from reports from Brazil is that the world's largest beef packer which was able to build its empire through ill-gotten gains in fact news reports indicated that it had spent 150 million in bribing about 2,000 politicians. And so Brazil clearly has a business model of corruption, based on corruption. And we're concerned that it has likely deployed that very same model here in the United States. And that explains some of the inexplicable actions on the part of our uh, federal agencies in Congress. We're backwards to help JBS build this monopolistic empire 
JBS came out of the blue just a few short years ago. When it came here, it came with baggage. It came with knowledge uh, that we had that JBS had paid a fine in Brazil for engaging in anti-competitive price pricing uh, that was depressing prices to Brazilian cattlemen. So Brazil was a bad actor from the get-go, and we tried to get the U.S. Department of Justice and the Department of Agriculture to take steps to prevent independent cattle producers from the abusive marketing power of this huge entity that just came into our country and was exporting our industry. And uh, our requests were ignored. So as this development continues to occur, news about JBS's bribes, news about other trading and other unlawful activities, as this begins to develop, we believe it is crucial that the Department of Justice initiate a thorough and probing investigation to look at all aspects of JBS's business activities in the United States, including its role in the unexplained cattle price collapse that occurred in 2015. We think JBS was instrumental in accomplishing that. We think JBS has been instrumental in reshaping the legal framework that defines our industry. They were a leader in defeating country of origin labeling and preventing the JIPSA rules from going into place and to causing the United States to systematically reduce our health and safety standards for countries with foot and mouth disease. All of these actions are inexplicable unless one considers the potential that JBS was giving bribes here in the United States and engaged in unlawful activities. That's why this investigation is so important, and that's why we made the request. Now, the letter was sent out on Tuesday, so I know there's not been a lot of time for turnaround on this. Have you heard anything back, or what are your expectations moving forward after sending this letter? Well, no, we, we haven't heard anything back, and, and we asked the, the President of the United States to look at this, the Senate Judiciary Chairman to look at this, and we earlier asked the Judiciary Committee to look at the collapse in cattle prices and the Judiciary Committee requested an ongoing investigation into those events. So we went back to the Judiciary Committee. We also went to our U.S. Attorney General, um, as well as to our U.S. Secretary of Agriculture. This needs to be a joint agency investigation. And as you said, I'm not aware of any others that have asked for this investigation from the cattle industry side. But RCAF has been concerned about this company from the very beginning. We tried to get our Justice Department to block JBS from acquiring our nation's largest cattle feeding company, Five Rivers Ranch Cattle Feeding, on the grounds that if they controlled that many cattle, they would be able to strategically leverage down cattle prices paid to independent producers. We believe they've been doing that with impunity ever since they purchased Five Rivers in 2008. We also tried to get them to block Smithfield Beef Group purchase, then Pilgrim's Pride purchase, because becoming the largest poultry producer gave them the ability to manipulate competing protein prices and supplies, which would then manipulate cattle prices. We then tried to get Justice Department to block JBS's acquisition of the McElhaney feedlot, which was among the top 25 largest feedlots in the United States. And most recently, we tried to get the Justice Department to, job, to stop JBS from acquiring XL uh, foods, two packing plants here in the United States that were previously Canadian-owned. And all of these requests were summarily ignored by the Department of Justice. And we thought that was strange, given the very obvious and blatant antitrust ramifications of each of these acquisitions. JBS truly has been helped 
in building a monopolistic empire in the U.S. livestock industry. And that's wrong and needs to be reversed. All right. Thanks, Bill. RCAF USA CEO Bill Bullard visiting with us today about an 11-page request they sent out to President Donald Trump, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, and Agriculture Secretary Senate Purdue for a full investigation and strict antitrust enforcement action into the JBS corruption scandal that's going on right now down in Brazil. For more, you can visit RuralRadio.com. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Well, next we get to talk to Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities about the livestock futures trade, and maybe we can say it was a quiet day, right? Oh, boy, yeah. Compared to what we've been seeing, it was a very quiet day. Going to finish just a little bit lower in the live cattle and uh, uh, just a little bit higher in the feeder cattle. Kind of uh, settling things down for the week. Uh, uh, You know, but uh, obviously uh, uh, we're going to finish the week uh, just about unchanged for the cattle and uh, uh, lower for the feeders. Um, very quiet. Not much news to go today. Uh, I think there was some, a little bit of disappointment in the air uh, due to uh, the uh, fact that we really did have an aggressive uh, trade the cattle this week. Uh, not as aggressive as everybody was hoping for. So uh, ended up uh, in a very quiet, choppy session. And uh, like I say, mixed with the uh, live cattle a little lower in the feeders a little higher. Over in the hogs, once again, a uh, uh, positive day uh, in the hogs, finishing a little bit better. Cash seems to be uh, firm, and that uh, continues to help uh, keep the uh, futures higher. Uh, in the uh, index now crossing, uh, fears the $80 mark, so we're really trying to catch up to that June very quickly. Uh, that will expire uh, on uh, Wednesday, uh, that contract, so uh, but we do finish higher for the week. Cutouts uh, mixed in the cattle today and a little bit higher for the uh, hog. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Time again for Fridays in the Field, a weekly discussion with producers across the state to see how their growing season is going. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. With me is Deb Gingwish, and she is co-owner of PG Farms from Shelton, Nebraska. They also have an operation near Springview. Deb explains a little bit about their operation. My husband and I run PG Farms and the Diamond G, and PG Farms is located around Shelton, and we grow corn, soybeans, and seed corn, and uh, we also do some trucking, some custom harvesting. We're 100% irrigated down here, so pivots keep us busy during the summer. And then up north, um, we have a cattle operation with a small backgrounding lot, and then we also do some trucking up there and uh, grow oats, hay, corn, soybeans, the typical Nebraska crops. When it comes to this year for planting season, how did things go for you in the operation? There were a few weather delays, but we got in the field early. We were in down south by April 11th and uh, had a few few times where we with weather that we were delayed, but we finished up with seed corn on the 28th of May. So uh, it was a pretty decent planting season for us. We were a little worried that we planted a little early because we had that cold spell in there, but uh, things have really rebounded and, and 
from what we can tell right now, there really wasn't the damage that we were worried about. Then up north, we had snow the beginning of May and uh, had a few delays. Got in the field there, it was about the 24th. It's about two weeks later. Everything's two weeks delayed between Shelton and Springview. And we got done up there, uh, it was June 5th. I guess the only thing that we really had that was a huge not even a huge problem but we had some splashback from a herbicide with our beans only about five percent had to be replanted so it wasn't wasn't a huge issue but I know other guys have have had the same issue and it's been a bigger issue for them so overall we've been pretty pleased when it comes to the current condition of the crop now that everything's done how is it looking thus far so far, so good. Um, we had some crusting issues. Uh, we've got the pivots on. We're also irrigated up north, so that, that really, really helps. We had a few issues, too, with, with high, high, high trash and, and some emergence issues. But um, we'll take a look at that next year, maybe do some more, uh, bring cattle on to get rid of some of that residue. Maybe we just didn't leave them on long enough. But like I said, things have really rebounded from problems we thought we were going to have and and are looking really pretty good fields are clean we've been able to spray on time so far i'm keeping my fingers crossed and knocking on wood so far things look pretty decent as we're looking out for the next five to six weeks obviously weather is probably the biggest factor in how the crop continues for the next month or so but if things kind of continue how they're going what are your feelings on that you know, I see some pretty awesome yields if things continue the way they're going. You know, we had some issues last year with um, some decreased yields due to some high nighttime temperatures during the middle of summer. I've only looked heavily through June, and it looks like temperatures temperatures will be uh, we're going to have a spike in temp next week. But it looks like it'll be pretty typical June temps. Um, like I said, I'd like to think we're we're going to have uh, pretty pretty awesome yields, but. Uh, we were hit by that July 9th hailstorm, and so you just always say a prayer. For this Friday's In the Field interview, we've been joined with Deb Gangwish. She is co-owner of PG Farms in the Diamond G, located in Shelton, Nebraska, also in Springview. To watch all the video interviews from this series, you can find it online by visiting RollRadio.com. For the Roll Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. With the USDA report now passed, uh, it did affect the markets somewhat, maybe not as much as some people expected. Uh, you know, it's one of those kind of sideshows here. I think the market took a pause on its weather focus just to see what the USDA was going to say about South American production and about the wheat yields. Not a lot of change. Um, in fact, I think the, the U.S. is now above where Brazil has essentially estimated their bean and corn crops, which I think was a little bit of a surprise. But that's, you know, higher, higher global numbers. Uh, but that, I think, should stop here going forward. This will be the last time we get those hikes uh, from the Brazil side, and then it will be about, you know, the U.S., balance sheet that affects those numbers and as uh, we all know here that's that's certainly in flux uh, as the weather this weekend looks to heat up i think the weather is going to be of much more importance as we uh, go through the sunday night monday morning overnight trade as well as next week yeah and and to see some follow through i mean i'd hate to be i'm i'm i not really wanting to be here short going into this weekend given the weather and I think the crop progress reports are going to be pretty friendly here. We had one of the biggest volume 
weeks we've seen in the last two years, and uh, I think one of the highest gains, one of the five highest we've seen uh, on a weekly basis with, uh, you know, a 15, 16 cent gain here on the week, uh, which really tells you how slow the corn markets have been over the last two years. Uh, with, we, we just have had a hard time getting, getting upward momentum, but you know, I, I feel like there's a little more way to go. I, I, I can't imagine we don't test those highs from last summer, at least on the on the front month contracts, which would be, you know, 420-ish on that December contract. So that's where I'd be targeting it. Targeting it. Uh, to get beyond that, though, you're going to have to really start to see some verification of yields. Um, but I do want to say it's pretty early, and right now, I mean, we're going to start. We got two months of this whole estimation uh, estimate of what's going to happen, and we got another big report out in 20 days. So, shorter term here, I would be uh, comfortable owning what you have. Uh, I don't think you need a ton of protection here, but um, you know, we get another 20 or 30 cents of this. I think you do what it maybe you want to look to to move aside. The bigger stocks, both here in the U.S. and world, when it comes to soybeans didn't seem to affect traders' minds much. No, not at all. And uh, that's the bean market is a sideshow right now. They don't have a lot of story. I think it's a, it's kind of weird. Beans has been the leader of volatility over the last two years, and now it's, it's, a, it's a follower. Uh, November had a decent week, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd say it was, uh, you know, get, get above that 960, 970 level. I think you could run some stops. I, 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 I'm not going to borrow out another test of $10. Beans are too volatile, and it's too early in the summer. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. As we did close four and a half higher in that November soybean contract. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. I'm Dewey Nelson.